Every day, America Online is making it easy for people to live, work, and play. When we installed internet access on our computer, I got the whole family involved. Just what is this main artery of the information superhighway? You beautiful bastards! No matter how large, no matter how small, we'll be on the internet in the year 2000. It's the primary way that people will look at information. Hello and welcome to When We Were There, Biased Internet History. I'm Thomas. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about the history of internet con- Oh, I fucked up again. You're so nervous. I'm so nervous right now. <laughs> Cue it up again, Thomas. Christ! What, the whole song? Not the whole song. <laughs> they already think we're idiots. Hello and welcome to When We Were There, Biased Internet History. I'm Thomas. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about the history of internet content. The who's who's, the what's what's, the where's Waldo. We get into it all. Whether you like it or not. This is like the second time I fucked up. It was Yusuf Abu Taleb from Lonely Girl 15. No, you fucked up again. Did I? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Oh, no, wait, no. Sorry. So don't. I wasn't it with the. What's his face? I already messed up, but this is a very Evolution of Dance. What's his name? Judson? Judson? Lightly? Yeah, no, no. I don't think I messed up. I think I nailed it. You killed it. Don't. You're embarrassing me right now. <laughs> I'm embarrassing myself. Uh, this is a very special episode for two reasons. Number yeah. one, this is our season finale. Yeah. This is our last episode in uh, my spare room. In the little the little baby studio. Laura finally gets to use the room that she pays half the money for. And I'm finally going to not be pissed off every time I come How in here. How small it is, yeah. Yeah, and also like just out of camera you guys can't see but it's completely covered in like oh, muck garbage and everything uh there's a craft station uh what seems to be a printer on the floor yoga mats it's not pretty but don't worry we'll be in a soundproofed room a booth where we'll be doing looping for all of our commercials we'll have an engineer now we're moving on up and you know what there might be a reason we're moving on up me and Thomas wouldn't goddamn be here if it weren't for today's guest. Yeah. You know how in the beginning of a lot of episodes we say we're goddamn indie moguls? Because we are goddamn indie moguls. Well, here's the reason. Today, we have two of the coolest guys, the most, sorry to any other guest, but the most excited guest I am to have on the goddamn pod. We have Justin Johnson and Eric Beck from Indie Mogul. Woo! Guys, welcome. Thank you. Ayo. Excited to be here. How are you guys doing in the end of the world? Uh, the world's beginning again, so it's all fine again. Well, not in Canada. Yeah, but Oh, in Canada. Yes. Okay, sure. We're a little behind you guys. Attest, I can attest to that. Well, Eric, you're in Toronto right now, which has the worst of it. Oh, yes. Still full we, lockdown. Uh, oh, yes. I'm, I'm well. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I normally live in L.A. and live through all when it was bad there. And uh, I'm, work, I'm working on a, on a show out here for a while, and I... Knew I was coming in my mind. I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. You know, Canada's got its stuff together and then just went from one lockdown to the next. And uh, so that's not been fun. Also got COVID while I was here. Oh, Jesus. Um, We're really doing luckily- you dirty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but luckily recovered fully and uh, getting a call. Hang up. And uh, and was that, was the contact, first- that was the contact tracer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And got my first shot, so that's great. Well, if it Hey-o. makes up for it in Kensington, there's a really good smoked meat poutinery. So if you go Ooh. there, it'll make up for everything. Okay. I almost went there today, actually. To not the smoke, smoke <laughs> not that place, but, but Kensington, Kensington specifically. Yeah. Okay. Well, next time. So if there are some idiots, so I don't, I don't know why anyone who would be listening to this podcast wouldn't know who <laughs> you guys are, but on the off chance, some dumbass doesn't know who are you guys. 
What a great question. Who are we? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been doing internet video since the late 90s um, and kind of one of the, uh, the OGs, I guess. Uh, always been creating. And, and I met Eric through a site called Film Fights that I started um, way back in the day. And we created this filmmaking network to, through a company called Next New Networks um, called Indie Mogul, which was very, very early YouTube, uh, teaching people how to make movies when there really wasn't much. It's mostly dogs on skateboards. It was 90% dogs yeah. on skateboards and then 5% yeah. was Indie Mogul. Yeah. Um, so it was the peak yeah. of the site. Everything after that was yeah. downhill. <laughs> it was all downhill yeah. from there. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah well, I think the idea behind Indie Mogul, which was, you know, I guess we could call it a YouTube channel, but at the time it was more like a internet community because when we started, YouTube wasn't the only place where you put videos. There was, a, there was you know, probably eight or nine of these sites like, uh, not Vivo. I don't even remember what some oh, of them Daily are. Daily Motion. MySpace, yeah. Google Video, Channel yeah, we 101. Did MySpace, yeah, Video Podcast. If you really... Oh, yeah. And, um, and so as sort of... DIY filmmakers ourselves who had met on Justin's site, uh, Film Fights, I think we just want to create a community and like a virtual kind of home base for people like us because it didn't, I don't, it didn't exist. And uh, so it was kind of the place that we would have wanted when we started, even yeah. though we had, we had only been doing it, at least myself, not that long. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the start. And I think we were one of the first... Yeah, that kind of DIY film riot and us, and and so we Next U Networks. Yeah. I'm repping the Next U Networks uh, shirt nice, I found dude. in my closet. Um, oh, kinda, nice. I guess I uh, it's one. kind of like a I guess un, not not known as well as some of the other ones, but we were definitely earlier than a lot of the other ones. And the goal is to launch a hundred niche branded content um, networks. Uh, and uh, being a DIY filmmaker, we were doing like fashion, and we were doing one about MMOs, and we were doing car stuff, and so. As a DIY filmmaker myself, I was like, went to the the brass over there and was was like, hey, we should do a DIY filmmaking network. That's what I'm really into, and I'd love to help do that. And the first person I thought of um, was Eric because he just was always creating puppets and all and doing this other great DIY stuff. So mm -hmm. that was the the original kind of impetus for creating the channel, and um, and really just grew it from all the incredible work that Eric put in and, and this community that was very small, but I think grew very quickly. I kind of, I call Indie Mogul like Mr. Rogers neighborhood for, uh, in, for like film kids <laughs> that's growing up. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually a really good. There's totally yeah. Mythbusters vibes in there, which yeah. also made it so fun to watch. That was definitely a huge inspiration. I remember, so Justin got hired at this company, Next Networks first. He was like the first creative hire. He's just, you're first at so many things. Uh, trailblazer. Yeah. Um, and I was, uh, we made a joke about this in the first couple episodes, but I was like literally working just a soul crushing temp job in downtown Oakland. And Justin got whisked away to New York to this amazing, you know, Charlie, Charlie and the chocolate factory company where he's got just paid to make videos and live in New York. I'm like, how do I get a piece of this? Yeah. And, uh, he was like, well, you know, you're good at making stuff and doing little videos, like pitch us an idea. So, um, that was where BFX came from. And the pilot, which I think we aired like as the third episode is the jetpack episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I literally just like called in sick for a couple days at this job and made it, you know, in the backyard. You also were but, sick. 
I was sick. Don't make it seem like you're sacrificing for your art because you were very sick in that pilot. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I I would have gone to work normally. It's that blue collar, uh, whatever. But uh, (laughs) um, and Mythbusters was a huge inspiration because it was so hot then. And I I still have my notebooks kind of when I was conceiving Backyard Effects and uh, which the fun fact, the original working title was Smoke and Mirrors. Uh, Okay. You know, like, ooh, it's all trickery of the light. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, but Mythbusters is definitely, uh, you know, listed a lot in my notes when I was coming up with the, well, the format. I was just saying to Josh, like, looking at your, the logo for it, I'm, I want to make a guess. Is it just a label maker that you printed out Indie Mogul on? Yeah, that was, I can't take credit for the logo. Because it... Uh, so I, it is. It, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's one of the old Dynamo label makers. Yep. Which um like the circle like, like handgun type one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was uh Alan made that, right? Or no, he had we had it next new had a designer do, who did all, all of our different logos. Okay. Um, Alan just because yeah, it, it, okay, it reminds me of the Mythbusters, like they have like the metal plate with the with the writing inscribed into it, and it looks kind of similar to that, but it's just a label maker, which I think really represents like the Indie Mogul backyard effects vibe. Oh yeah, totally. And all the transitions for VFX, you know, like super time lapse and rever when it's just like Sharpie on a piece of cardboard and everything, that was yeah. all super But that's like uh, in my brain forever, like super time lapse in the shopping yeah. list and everything. <laughs> like that is I don't know. That's like Hell such yeah. a huge part of like my early filmmaking life. And I, I think a lot of people that grew up in that sort of era of YouTube will also say like so many little hacks and cheats, whether it be like mm-hmm. learning how to make fake blood or just like yeah. how to do a, the knife in the head or I, I was even on. Oh, yeah. The, you know yeah. what? It's funny. We just watched The we Matrix, just watched last, the Matrix night. last night. And then you guys talk about like, that's where I learned that trick as well. I totally And I, I remember I was on a, a film called La Quinceanera, which was, uh, sorry, a series, an independent series for like what was going to be Warner Brothers version of Netflix. Okay. Uh, and it was like by a company that does Mexican gore. And they hmm. did the pull the button out of the bullet wound. And I was like, oh, shit, I learned that on Indie Mogul. And the uh, the actual like practical effects artist there was like, me too. And it was like. So it's like cool to kind of see like (laughs) trademarks of like what's done in that industry and like talking to people who have either come from like gore or some sort of like wanting to do their own practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy is that, um, you know, because I was teaching myself how to do these things every week. Yeah. Like you guys just, I I wasn't an expert by any means. and And so it was a combination of scouring the internet for like what information was available, which was almost none uh, on how the like professionals did it and then just kind of rewatching it and how how would I do it you know and mm-hmm. what's been cool is now recently I've kind of been transitioning more into like full-time special effects and things like that for TV and movies well, you're building robots and, um, that like have like their own timed camera rigs and stuff like it's awesome just oh, to, like yeah. I was <laughs> watching an indie mogul recently just like what's Eric doing right now and also I think there was a sci-fi yeah video and it was just like yes this is you've become Adam Savage <laughs> Yeah, that that's uh that that's the goal. Um, just to take him down. No, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Adam is awesome. I did email with him briefly. Anyway, that's a side story. But uh, but now since I've been working more in the, like the stat, you know, real industry and meeting some of these like uh, old time special effects guys that have been doing it forever, I'm finding out how sort of close I was 
to how they did it just organically kind of came up with the same way that they've been doing it all, all along. So that's always really cool. Nice. And, and even just like a lot of the kids we would feature back in the day, um, like uh, Clinton, uh, Clint Jones and Ren, yeah. the guys from Corridor, like we, we featured uh, Clint, I think it was a video he made when he was in high school, this incredible cardboard warfare. Yeah. Oh, video. Cardboard I think warfare that was the one we did. Yeah, yeah, you did do Cardboard His Warfare, and then he after that he came up with Cardboard Warfare 2, and they had, like, the submarine and everything, like... It was yeah. incredible, so, it was astounding, and the, and those, there's, there's, um, so many stories like that of, of kids like that who grew up, uh, or, or doing this kind of thing, and were aware of Indie Mogul who went on to just be so big in the space, um, which is so... You I featured mean, they, five they, second films, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we featured a lot of things. It was very, it was very, very early, but I feel like such a, um, you know, kind of fatherly emotion towards like the, yeah. the corridor kids and all that stuff. And I was, I, Clint just left, um, you know, kind of left corridor recently and I was texting with him and I was like, you're, you're going on on your own. I'm so proud of you, man. I didn't and, uh, know that. Yeah. yeah he just did a, I left my dream job video. On oh, damn. oh, wow. I'll have to check it out. I yeah, just Clint's think the best. It's so cool how like, I guess the best word and the worst word at the same time is incestuous, that kind of early YouTube <laughs> era is because like there's so many links like, yeah, you guys featured five second films and also Clint Jones. And then Freddie W started doing videos with Clint Jones because like when they're doing their tour, they went to yep. Atlanta, I believe. And then also in Rocket Jump, uh, when they did their series uh, Video Game High School, they also brought in, um, I believe, jeez, oh, one of the one of the heads of five second films. Mm. I'm forgetting his name right now. I'm so mad at myself once more. Mm. Um, but, oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So it and also I think a funny thing is like you guys kind of talking about how you were always featuring like other artists and YouTubers. One of your kind of sister companies, Barely Political, who is also one of the people like you watch a lot, who I actually found out through the Wolverine Claws video. That's how oh, I found yeah. Barely Political. <laughs> um, oh, man. And I, I also, I don't know if this is embarrassing or, or not to say, I still have the Wolverine Claws song and the Wizard Rap Battle song. Like, that's in my mind, memorized. Forever, oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, the thing I, is, is that what you realize is that, um, you know, you, you find all these people who kind of came up together in the same kind of uh, strata and, and knew each other and whatnot. And you think, oh, that's kind of, you know, weird and incestuous or whatever. But then you start realizing, oh, that's how the real world works. And it's not yeah. like when it comes to politics, it's not like there are yeah. maybe there are secret societies, maybe not. But like <laughs> it's no different than just these kind of casual um, relationships that that come along a shared interest and as it's you create this rolodex of people and you want to work with them because you like them and it's it's that and you, you see know? them at events and yeah. things like that but even yeah, yeah like and traditional you gotta, well you got to think also like the internet back then was such a smaller place than it is so now. small so yeah because like another thing uh that we haven't mentioned yet right that was pre-interview justin you were like very early to college humor maybe even disputing something. Early. Yeah. So a friend of the show, Jeff Rubin <laughs> said that he was the first hire at college humor. And that might be, Go, yeah, Justin. I mean, it's, Get him. I was, so I, <laughs> I remember emailing those guys when I was like in, in high school and, and, uh, it was still like the late nineties college humor with just like a black background. And it was very, very stripped down. And I was writing some of the first original, um, guest writer, college humor articles. And then when I left, um, when I left uh, home when in like 2003, uh, left Wisconsin to kind of just figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life. 
Uh, I got a, a message from, so the four founders of College Humor, three of them, uh, Jake Lodwick, who also found, founded Vimeo and a bunch of other things, um, Josh Abramson and Ricky Van Veen, were sort of like, hey, do you want to like uh, come work for us? Where they were living in a house in San Diego for some reason, because they're East Coast guys, and they were like, for some reason, we got to go to California when we graduate college and run <laughs> College Humor from yeah. there. And I don't know why San Diego, I don't know why not LA or something like it was that. Probably but, um, cheaper. It was probably cheaper than LA, and they're like, yeah. close enough. Yeah. It was yeah. just a, a weird spot. So I They got a really uh, good zoo there. On. They, yeah, right. I was hired on, and um, basically it was roommates with Jake, uh, and it was us, me and the three founders of College Humor all living in this house, this big house in San Diego, which was like this major party house. Party house. They used to sell these things called big shockers, like these foam like shocker fingers, and so the oh, house yeah. was just filled oh, with yeah. big shockers. Oh, yeah. The house was filled with like, uh, but when Busted Tees started, I did some of those original designs. I was sort of like this hybrid designer um, writer. I organized a bunch of their archives, that kind of stuff. So I think Kunal, who is the coder, I think he was already working for them at the time. Um, so he may, be, he may be the first, but I definitely was very, mm -hmm. very early on. And because I was 21 and my role wasn't like super well-defined, I, I just kind of I was their first hire and their first fire uh, several months later. So I have that, <laughs> nice. uh, that distinction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Two firsts. But it yeah. was great. I remember, and, and this is a, and I don't know if I've ever told the story before, but um, after I was let go, of course I was, we were roommates and, you know, friends and I know those guys and I was obviously pretty mad about it and, and kind of butthurt because yeah. we were so close, but in hindsight, it, Totally get it. I wrote this big, long, angry email to the guys about how it was wrong, blah, blah, blah. And While I you're in your bedroom of, and they're in the living room. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was like, I barely worked. I was like on a road trip with my friends or something like that. I mean, I was a bit terrible. Oh, jeez. I know. I didn't. I totally deserved to get fired. Um, it was warranted. I wrote this okay. big, long, like angry yeah. email. And I like was, and I just decided I'm not going to click send on this. I deleted it all, wrote something really simple. Thanks for the opportunity. It was great. You know, let me know when I can pick up my stuff. Um, and Jake Lodwick was the one who connected me with uh, this guy, Fred Seibert, who is kind of like my my mentor, second dad. He he did uh, Frederator and a bunch of other things. One was the founder of, of Next New Networks. He introed me to Fred, which introed, which got me hired at Next New, which brought in Eric and created this whole sphere of influence. So my number one advice for anyone is like, just don't burn any bridges. Don't send those emails. I've been on the other side of it when people have sent me, you know, things like that. And just like, you're just off the list there, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is, you know, that's why we're talking today and everything else is, okay. is just so that. Get so get fired. Um, yeah, get but get do fired, it cool. but be chill get about fired, it. Get fired, but be about it. yeah, gracious. <laughs> yeah. So why uh, why I mentioned the 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 featuring videos on your channel is they did that on Barely Political as well, which I assume was inspired by because uh, I could be wrong, but because a lot of the stuff on the internet we found while researching is just like misinformation. But yeah. uh, hmm. cor please correct me if I'm weird. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but Justin. Um, was it not that you started doing like a voicemail for Frederator and that you brought to yeah. doing as it well was, for Indie um, Mogul? I was so Frederator was a video podcast for animators. And my first work with Fred was creating interstitials for these for this animation um, video podcast. And so we wanted to do video because it would stand out from the animation stuff. It wouldn't all kind of be a blur. And so that was kind of my one of my uh, primary gigs for for a couple of years from like 2000, 2005 till 2007 when Next Year Network started was creating these little things. And it was all about audience interaction. It was about um, I love doing voicemails like Fred's a big proponent of that. So 
bringing in voicemails from the audience because it wasn't a, there was that's the thing with podcasts like there was no comment section the, the ways you mm-hmm. could interact with people was extremely limited it was email yeah. we yeah and, we and, know. you know <laughs> yeah you got you know and voicemail was was a great way of, of letting anyone who was watching um, be able to be a part of it and it gave the extra character of actually hearing their voice their personality that kind of thing um, mm-hmm. so I was always a huge proponent of that and in early indie mogul we had a voicemail line and got a lot of um, submissions that way. So just was kind of in the zeitgeist of what we did at Next New, uh, that kind of thing. But it definitely was something I really enjoyed doing. Yeah, it's it's such like a memorable thing that you guys had that and you featured other like creators, like fans, channels that you guys looking at the channels. And why I bring that up, too, is in, I think, 2009, me and a friend in high school were like, OK, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make two videos, one to try to get featured on Indie Mogul and one to try to get featured on Barely Political. Nice. So we did the cutting in half effect, which was like nice. cardboard and a shirt with the bottle cap to be the bone. And we did that where he, <laughs> he he just like was throwing a stapler at me and it cut me in half. And then the other one, we did a music video uh, for one of the actresses on Barely Political, Lauren Francesca. Like we did a music video parody love song. Nothing nice. back. A month went by. Aww. Didn't even think about it. So I, I get a call when I'm getting off the ferry from Victoria to Vancouver. And my cousin says, you're on Barely Political. And nice. I'm like, what? So I, tu- I, I see the newest video and it. Usually like halfway in the video, they'll do like a compilation of fan videos. So it's like, oh, maybe they'll feature me. And this was one of the greatest moments of my young life. Michael Stevens did a whole video featuring the love song parody we made and actually had her, him and Lauren Francesca react to it. (laughs) Oh, awesome. And it made my young life. Yeah. Like it was the cool. And then all of a sudden that video that had like 300 views and like in early YouTube, this was a big deal for a starter creator. It went up to like 20,000 views in like two days. And I was like, that's huge. Freaking out. And uh, (laughs) YouTube offered us like monetization, like, oh, let's do it. But we had copyrighted music in the background and the only video anyone cared about, like, yeah, we yep. couldn't do anything with it, and nothing manifested of it. Well, Eric, you Sounds remember that, right. that our submissions in, in Indie Mogul, like how jammed that was with all the submissions. Oh, we got of from. course. So, like, oh, yeah, it, we didn't expect anything to happen. Of it. it was, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I I love the yeah, like at BFX, we had little channel change interstitial, and we would do those fun little clips, and and then there was the one blog post, uh, RIP. That's one of the saddest things. Side note about. Indie mogul is like that the forums and like the original site doesn't exist anymore. Um, yeah. But anyways, there was this one blog post that we created because I remember probably like six months in, maybe a year. Um, I know you were in the room, Justin. I don't know if it was just you and me or it was like a company meeting, but I was starting to get worried. Like I'm going to run out of <laughs> ideas for effects. <laughs> That's right. Uh, like, and then someone was like, you know, just put up a request, like ask. I mean, yeah. it was always part of the show. Like, let us know. But in the beginning, I was just making the things that I wanted to make. Yeah. Uh, and then, so we created a blog post and then we just was, we would always refer back to that one blog post just to make it easier, like put it in the comments. And I think it actually broke our site at one point because that Jesus one did. blog post had like Thousands. so many, and it got, it got to the point where whenever I had an idea of like, oh, it'd be great to make a fish man makeup or something. I would just go to that blog post and keyword search fish man. Fish yeah, man. And like, and so that I could say like, you know, if it was an idea that I just wanted to selfishly set, make, yeah. I could just say like, this was requested. And I think almost every time it was requested by at least like two or three people. Yeah. Um, Early on, so we'd that, have to fake it though. 
we did fake it yeah the especially the pilot obviously yeah it was just uh danny jacobs was this kid i grew up with <laughs> no yeah. and the president of tiktok vanessa pappas oh was right. an early yeah. fake was it because we vanessa was my a manager plant. she was a plant so in one of the very first episodes god there's so much like deep internet history um but in one of the very first episodes i believe vanessa pappas was one of the requesters of these effects and now she's like yeah the head of like the biggest social thing in the world or whatever yeah there's just yeah it's wow. again incestuous might be the best word it's foul it's, but it's wait, just really crazy like the more we learn there's gotta be a better word <laughs> yeah yeah there's definitely like a better that. word i'll give you another little this is a this is one of my favorite uh very little known bits of indie mogul trivia so the intro bumper for Indie Mogul, Indie Mogul, as you know, yeah. that yeah. is voiced by Michael Gregory of the Gregory Brothers. Really? He did auto-tune the news and everything else. Oh, yeah. And it was a very, I, he was, they hadn't done anything like that. It was someone, Ben Rellis, who started uh, Barely Political. Yeah. Oh, I was like, he was like, oh, why don't you do something with the emails guy, Michael? My side talks. Um, and so I emailed <laughs> Michael Gregory and I was like, hey, I just need like a little bumper, like do a little three second bumper. And that's. Over and over again, that's the Gregory Brothers from Auto the News. That's Anyways, so that's crazy. That's my little side trivia. Well, them too. That's another thing where it's like a lot of their auto-tuned songs just memorized. Like so many things just between you guys, Barely Political and them. It's like there is probably room in my brain that like made me a terrible student because it was filled with all your guys' stuff. <laughs> but like I can remember this offhand, but like who started the Russian Revolution? Lenin? McCartney? I don't know, man. Ringo. Ringo. Okay. Fair enough. Ringo. Yeah. I mean, incestuous is probably, there's probably a more flattering word to use, but it's just, I, I know the more yeah. we, we research and the more we learn about the internet, it's crazy to see all these webs, like interconnecting everyone. Uh, and yep. just like all the people that I thought were separate as a kid were actually all kind of connected in some way. Yeah. Especially all the, all the next, when you understand about next new networks and how all these, channels that I think most people assumed were totally separate. We were all like in an office sitting 10 feet from each other. It, it kind of makes more sense. And like, I mean, like the, I don't know if you guys know, or you guys should definitely interview Threadbanger at some point. Yeah. You guys feature you know. them in a lot of your early videos. Right. Cause we were just, I mean, we quickly became really good friends. They, they were the only other channel that really like built stuff and our little workshops right next to each other. We were the ones that were always there at like two in the morning. Um, <laughs> And then, and you know, barely political. I mean, I just remember Michael Stevens, who obviously is like, you know, Vsauce is yeah. so amazing and huge. Like that's really how he talks and thinks. Like when he was just like a contributor to barely political, and I'd be at my desk like editing a BFX video, he would just come up and like lean on my cubicle and be like, you know. Eric, did you know that like the universe is bigger than like the blah blah? And if you took the <laughs> earth right. and it, it was the size of a pin, and he would just like just just start spewing this <laughs> just be really interesting a stuff. Video. Yeah, and then and I'd be like, "Cool, Michael, like I, I better get back to this edit." Like, "Cool, all right, thanks." And then he would just turn around and walk away. Who and, knew uh, the bearded nun would become the biggest celebrity? Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And uh, another fun fact about Vsauce is. Uh, their old end bumper was it with the the, the tape was Justin's squeeze. hand. Oh, really? They're squeezing the no, <laughs> squeezing the NES controller. Yeah, and then it becomes the goo. That's Justin's hand. God, this is and he also made it blowing and, my mind. Yeah, 
the Frederator logo uh, that plays on like Inven- that one that's yeah. on Adventure Time and stuff on TV. The where the Frederator head gets built by Legos. Yeah, um, yeah, I shot that. That no Jesus. way, <laughs> you guys. Because I didn't build. I can't, huge Adventure Time guys. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, I didn't. I w- that was me and two other people filming that in like. On, in front of the same green screen where we shot all, a lot of indie mogul videos. I'm See, so giddy right now. It's, yeah. it's well, great, was, Eric, because now people people actually you know care about about this stuff. As exactly. It's like <laughs> it's like all of our trivia is gonna is gonna go as like a fine wine. It will keep aging as people. I mean, it's yeah. it's true though, honestly. Like, because again, particularly with you guys, like we were researching and realizing like fr- like the fact that you're connected to Frederator for me was insane like yeah. and, the, and then old man the Seymour yeah old man and the Seymour is another thing that I wanted to mention that uh, oh yeah I realized though I've got some I've got some behind the scenes stories about that nice. please so uh, for people who don't know old man and the Seymour is a short film done by actually I think they're the guys Giancarlo and John yeah, yeah the Grimm. directors for Jake and Amir uh, yeah We're also so, a big inspiration mm-hmm. for this podcast yeah Jake and Amir are nice. huge um and so it stars Amir and Streeter from uh, college humor also has Dan no, in it, and he has Dan's in it. Hilarious. He's a SNL writer now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he, him and Sarah were like the head writers for SNL for quite a while. Yeah, I think Sarah yeah. was actually the first from that original crew to leave to go do like That's something right. super cool. Yeah, it's and Dan is at last week tonight. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty wild. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, but anyway, so uh, obviously, I was a like, huge college humor fan back in the day, and I was watching you guys as well, and then I saw that your behind the scenes video you're on on location video for the nosebleed effect yeah and i was like what there's this movie uh and, and i promptly watched it and i watched yeah. it again last night and it's pretty funny yeah and the nosebleed thing that whole bit is actually so funny yeah so streeter gets, gets hit with a ball yeah. yeah he gets hit with a dodgeball where he's talking to a girl he likes and his nose starts bleeding like pretty bad and he's like no it's fine i don't well, even- at first it's small <laughs> just like holding it and it's like looks pretty bad and he's like really and he's like, like i don't like, even think it yeah. really hit me really yeah <laughs> i'm pretty that sure it probably- didn't even hit me we probably pumped like I don't know at least fifteen gallons of fake blood. Well, there, there's through, like a, an inflatable uh, pool. Sh- <laughs> yeah, kiddie them. pool. Yeah, and then the <laughs> the fun fact though, and for me it's funny enough that was at the time the biggest set that I'd ever been on. Which now I realize it was pretty small, but like it was also the first time I really saw like a dolly and like a yeah. like a floor dolly and everything. And um, because you know we didn't me and Justin didn't go to film school or anything, and uh. But fun story about that is, uh, you know, the effect worked out really great. And we were friends with um, John and Giancarlo um, already. From Film Fights, and I think, actually. So if you want to get yeah, real deep film in fighters. it, Film Fights is probably the origin story for a lot of a lot of these things. Yeah. You know, Amir, uh, I, don't, I, didn't, I knew him from College Humor stuff, but he did stuff for Film Fights. It was like a very, 2003 I started it. It was a um, film festival, online film festival, like Channel 101. Mm-hmm. We started right around the same time. Um but anyways, yeah, which, another then. funny thing real quick about that on it's like a fandom wiki or something. It talks about that. That's where you guys met was through Eric submitting to film fights. But yes. and I quote yes. from the article, Eric's videos weren't good, but had puppets and humor. <laughs> and that's wow. why, why you guys I are that quote. <laughs> I I'm going to send Justin a mean email. Right. I don't you think were most I don't, in the I don't, Eric or I don't think Justin said it's it. It's not a Justin quote. It's just what whoever made the wiki oh, said. Oh nice. That. Yeah, they just didn't, sense. didn't like your videos, be, I guess. That's fair. To be to be fair, they 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 were pretty bad. I'm I 
I learn very fast. That's I my think, that's yeah. my greatest skill. I think it's crazy uh, to think that film fights almost didn't happen because a cracked out Gary told you it was a bad idea. I know. Jeez, man. <laughs> but Time Eric, you saved, you saved the day there. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a fun episode to shoot, too. That Anyways, was quick, so cool to watch. But go on. Yeah. Quick streeter funny behind the scenes is that so we pumped all that blood and it was the fake blood recipe that I had been using on BFX <laughs> for a while. Yeah. And like and I had. I never really, it didn't seem like it really stained my skin very much. But again, like I didn't have a lot of experience. And keep in mind, like we were pumping gallons, you know, they kept doing retakes and we were pumping gallons and gallons. And so, you know, it cut and, you know, he goes to the bathroom to clean up. And before we left, he comes, you know, he, he pulls me aside and he's like, yeah, that's just like, it's just a pink, like, Dot, yeah. like stain like all the way down into his junk <laughs> and then and then i don't remember if we like ran into him at a party later or it was like a friend of but basically yeah it like lasted for days so he just had this like ribbon <laughs> down he usually has like, a beard it's fine yeah it's fine <laughs> not, but just not you know, for that, that film he didn't no, yeah. he, had to oh, be yeah, a he didn't. No, he was right. supposed to look like a teenager. I, we actually used that effect on in film school. We we did a Western where um, two people get shot and we use that blood effect on that with the air compressor That's through the hose one. with the fake blood. It's it just the more, the more and more you say stuff. I'm like, wow, I really used a lot of your guys shit. And I don't you know if I credit it. You're going to have to start paying. <laughs> cash I'm going to have to start paying you guys soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I really Adam. one of my regrets is that for Indie Mogul I didn't do because because my role at Next you Networks was the he- the head of uh, branding and packaging. So uh, my kind of goal was to intertwine all the networks with all the interstitials and also kind of have fun putting them together with the branding. Um, but I really regret if I could go back and change anything. I wish I would have done like a very long promo campaign, basically telling all the kids who watched Indie Mogul that when they win an Oscar to thank Indie Mogul. And like, that would have been such great brainwashing because I know if an Indie Mogul kid hasn't won an Oscar yet, like they will at some point. And like, if I could have put that into their head as like, that's a goal. When I win, I'm going to thank Indie Mogul. I know what happened, but maybe we're doing commercials now. So if we get a Clio, we'll definitely thank you guys. When we get a Palm Dior. A Palm Dior for a commercial. (laughs) Yeah, for a 30 second web commercial. Yeah, absolutely. We'll thank you guys. (laughs) Um, So I have to ask all of you guys, especially Thomas, will you let me go into like five minutes of just nerdy tech shit? Uh, I'll allow it. Okay. So something that I think is very cool, especially like when you guys started making videos was kind of in that in between era of like the HD mini DV and recording mm-hmm. onto carts. And I yes. think what's, what's very cool about that is a lot of people that grew up on Indie Mogul, myself included, were those people that were on a mini DV camera, shot, cut, maybe rewinded to cut some stuff out and either edited through a, like a, a VCR, just hooking up composite to a TV and then transitioned into like kind of when you guys were doing your videos, learning to actually do it in editing software, either, you know, bringing mini DV files into like Final Cut or, Mm -hmm. you know, just whatever. Premiere. Yeah. And or Windows Movie Maker. Oh, I, yeah, no, there was (laughs) some Windows Movie Maker. I recognize that a lot of our submissions had that blue background. Oh, yeah. So it's, I I think something that I talk way too much about in our office is, um, old codecs that had really bad chroma <laughs> old codecs that had really bad chroma subsampling which made it hard to do green screens because you'd get that edge around you because it just turned this block of colored pixels all into green right but it, it's 
there must have been a transition where you guys either went to like DSLR and maybe use something like Magic Lantern Raw because like I remember in your first video and I'm not I'm not shitting on anyone but when no, you guys please. are doing the the rocket effect there's like a big green hue around as kind of something that was unavoidable with the technology of the time in I, fact it was I even also... in Star Wars you saw that Oh wow I I that will so for that very so the the jetpack one was like literally the first video that was the pilot that I shot that weekend yeah. while being sick and uh and so I probably hadn't even taught myself like you talked about the the video how to light a like, green screen yeah yeah so like I hadn't taught myself how to light <laughs> yeah. um, you mean your character the, hadn't evolved it was a whole it's an actual yeah, idea it's a well scripted yeah, yeah. it's a scripted series from start to finish yeah. His character was yeah, learning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's our our lo our lonely girl. Uh, another deep cut. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah they the were very... a guest. Yeah. Oh really? Oh that's awesome. Yeah. The very first uh, probably six months of Vidimogo was all shot on a Canon GL2 to mini DV tapes. Yeah. And then all edited in Premiere. And then we got um, Panasonic GH1s, which was shot to P2 cards. And that was I remember. No, that was so the weird. HVX. HVX, sorry. What did I say? You said it was GH, but that's the way too new. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's wrong. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, HVX. Uh, and that it was weird to me because I just didn't trust it. I'm like, what? You just use it once and then, like, re-record over and over again? Where's your tape backup? <laughs> and then... And then we, the, I would say the bulk of Mogul was shot on the HVX, and then towards the end, we switched to the, the DSLR. But I think it's crazy, like, how much independent filmmaker technology is like grown from that point because like even by the time or it's not that soon after where you do the season one finale it looked like the effects like totally hold up today like the green like the the quality right. is like insane for the time and now if you look at like something like you know we're shooting on like e even on our smaller stuff like a black magic and you're getting to shoot like 2.5k or 4k raw that is probably the same price that like a mini dv camera would have been Oh yeah, I paid two thousand for that GL two, and that was like secondhand on Craigslist. Yeah, or whatever. It's, I don't know if Craigslist was around then, but it's, yeah. It, I think it's just crazy to think of like how much more work we got to get Craig on the podcast. Craig, yeah, <laughs> from the, his list, Mister oh, List, yeah. Mister <laughs> List, come on the pod. But yeah, it's just like how, how how much more effort you had to put into like getting a particular look just because of like the you know sensitivity of the sensor for lighting wasn't as great so you'd really have to light a scene up more or just like limited to the technology of shooting on tapes and having like real time yeah put that on your computer like it just well what, that's oh, the crazy yeah. thing the about capture time yeah well, i bought oh, a uh, a that. uh 35 millimeter adapter that was that kind of ugly, ugly ugly duckling era where it basically was yeah. hv30 with like this big bulky um it must have been about this big uh, lens adapter, and then I put a lens, uh, you know, DSLR lens on the front of it, and it had a because you had to have like a spinning or like a like a some sort of grained glass never, that would spin ground never glass. Got that part of it, it had like that a power switch. So you'd have to turn it on otherwise. And I yeah, I bought that from actually from Sam Reich, who was you know obviously does college yeah, humor stuff and all that. And I bought it like right at just like the wrong time when DSLR stuff was really happening. Yes, <laughs> I remember that like a month before the first DSLR came out. And it was went was completely worthless yeah. like a month after. So Sam scammed you. Yeah, exactly. He saw it coming. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> I think he did. He's a smart guy. Um, 
the BFX finale was like really such a culmination of all the things that we had that we had learned because that was yeah. just me and you, Eric, going around and and uh, filming stuff, and and that, those are some of my fondest memories. Like when we went to yeah. Sundance, we did a bunch of things uh, for yeah, for the channel. That was super fun, and super and that fun. was like it was. Even though Eric and I um, started the channel together, we didn't actually, we weren't really actually able to work on it uh, together a lot because I was working on so many other things at Next New. And uh, so there were, it, it was sort of few and far between when we would actually really get to work together in depth on, on different projects, but they were definitely highlights for me. I don't know, maybe lowlights oh, for yeah, Eric. No. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, when I do look back and I, I wanted to watch more of the old stuff before this project, uh, podcast i didn't get to but um because it's been i mean a decade since i've gone back and watched a lot of that stuff yeah geez i, li- yeah. I lived it uh <laughs> not ready yet but well, um josh and i always like immediately after we record a podcast we forget everything we said so i can't imagine okay, 10 good. years okay. <laughs> yeah it's insane but yeah the ones you know whenever there was you know there was a handful of test films that me and justin got to do together some of them literally just like the two of us late at night one that really comes to mind was um the second fake hand episode where we chopped it in half and me and Justin play the German, the weird German <laughs> filmmakers. Uh, that was so I, fun. I, I rewatched that and I'm like, man, this, this real this holds up. Like a lot of the old test films I just watch and just makes me cringe. But yeah, the ones that me and Justin worked on, the one that Justin helped on were always the best or, and the ones that we did with Mark Douglas, just all the musical ones. Cause that was all his genius, obviously writing all the music. Although I did help write some of the Halloween rap. So I did. Yeah. I'll take I, credit for that. The, the wizard rap battle one, like it just like everything about it is like so crazy produced for the time and like still holds up today. And the, yeah. the rap itself is great. It's just, I, it's, it's so wild to go back and watch like people that we used to watch back in the day. And like, cause there's so much stuff on YouTube that just doesn't age well, whether it be like politically doesn't age well, or it's like, yeah. Oh, this was clearly like shot on like high eight tape. Yeah. Um, right. But so yeah, so much you like, I was like so wow, enthralled to, to see what would happen to Gary when you guys went back in time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Aside from just the nostalgia of it, like it I, I and to learn too that you were learning all this stuff as we were learning this stuff too oh, like yeah. it, it makes you feel so a part of it and like we talk so much about like the golden era of youtube having like more of a community to it and just learning yes. like all the people that you were working with like it's nuts yeah yeah definitely there was one yeah there was like one guy that worked at the company of all of next networks that had any like actual like real onset experience i guess two alan but like and sometimes i just think back when he was helping us make things i'm just like was he ever like who are these fucking kids i don't know if i could swear (laughs) no you can't we've been doing uh, it all the time uh oh sweet canada it's a free country (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh yeah it was all i mean it was there was that community vibe of us all learning and teaching each other amongst the company and then of course connected with the community and um, I mean, we were in the forums all the time. Like, I think we loved surfing the forums as much as yeah. Or even all if, the if you go members. to the old videos, like I swear, like half the comments on the videos are you guys replying to comments and engaging yeah. with the yeah. community just to get yeah, that yeah, engagement yeah. up. Uh, and and that was something I asked uh, Fred Seibert years later. I was like, Fred, you know, I was twenty. 
23, 24. I'm like, Fred, why did you hire me to take on this role? Like I knew nothing about promos and packaging and branding. And he's like, Justin, I hired you specifically because you didn't know anything. Because <laughs> yeah. if you would have hired some old TV head who had come yeah. from, you know, cable or whatever, it just wouldn't be true to the medium. It, we were making stuff for people who were our age or, or slightly younger. And I think um, that like kind of experience and that polish, we were trying to make a new thing. We weren't trying to, uh, a new version of, of something that's been around for a long time. But um, mm -hmm. I just thought it was so interesting that they really took the perspective of like, we want people who are eager, who will create something new uh, and not come in with a bunch of preconceived ideas. And so, um, yeah, that was like a big kind of realization of like, oh, they didn't want us knowing everything because then well, we probably would charge too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I also think, think that, the, oh, one addition is I think that the, the founders of Next Networks, who are all great, um, just had a really great eye for people who like didn't have any of this sort of like real Hollywood experience, mm. but were really in touch, obviously creative, but like in touch with how to make it. Cause I guess we are like raised by TV. I mean, I think if you, if you look at all the old next network stuff in the indie mogul, especially like just the fact that we had like interstitials and like all that fun stuff yeah. is like very, is very TV, but that wasn't like they were pushing us to do that. I think it was just maybe they hinted at it. But well, I, I feel like that's the same that's something as, you and I were talking about, yeah. right? It's like a lot of the old people on YouTube, their stuff had like this kind of TV show feel, which now like people have sort of dropped that pretense where they're like, ah, it's internet stuff. And I think on one hand, this, I kind of miss it. Like I do. It's like kind of this cool hybrid of like kind of like between what the internet has come now and also TV. Yeah. And because yeah, it's it's like low budget it feels a big word that we like to use also is authentic like it feels very authentic and true to to you guys um but like still yeah, we has use that we try to use that word a lot yeah i think it's a really good word and it's uh i like kind of part of our thesis statement i guess you could say oh ab absolutely yeah. and i th i think you also have to think like similar to what you guys were doing and kind of trailblazing the way for what internet content became you have to think about like the new hollywood era like spielberg and scorsese and these like film school kids that like it's not it's not in the studio system you're kind of being grassroots and kind of having to do it on a budget mm. and i think one of the biggest things that luckily our film school did and also you guys taught us was like how to work on a budget, like what is and what isn't necessary on a set? Like, yeah. mm -hmm. do we need to have like four grips here with like huge 10 Ks and bounce boxes and like a generator? Or can we get away with like using like a low light sensitive camera and LEDs? You know, like what what are you going to do to make this more efficient? Like, yeah, we could spend like a whole bunch of money on fake blood or, you know, we could make it the indie mogul way with corn syrup and red dye. We how can we cheat? certain things to not be spending a whole ton of money where is i think you know a lot of people we know that went to like don't want to shit on vancouver film school but to shit on vancouver <laughs> film school um they you know you pay so much to go there and they have all this technology readily available so you don't learn how to like make shit work for cheap yeah yeah mm -hmm. that, that's a big thing that that um i i say a lot and i was actually just uh, so like a family you know, or my wife's family is like kids graduation party whatever um but there was like a little there was like a kid in uh, middle school um who was also like making his own movies and all that kind of stuff wait now you know obviously kids aren't watching any mogul they got a million other things to watch um but uh <laughs> one thing i 
always try to tell kids is like, you know, hey, if you're going to film school, you're like learning about stuff. Never let the, your lack of gear stop you from making something. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people can spend a bunch of money on film school and then be like, well, I can't. I got to have this. I got to have that. Like, I can't do it until I have all these things. And then you just end up waiting and waiting, waiting to have those things. And then years go by and then you've done nothing. So yeah. really it's like such an important lesson to just be like, oh, if you're going to do something like just, just do it. And if you don't do it great, they'll always be the next thing. And you will. Oh, that's kind of a lesson that we've learned. Yeah, also, like this is, this is floor tiling for pets that we have on the wall. We're <laughs> using lant- light lanterns and like work lights that I've screwed into my wall here. Like nice. A lot of the stuff like our set is just stuff we had lying around. Like we have an eight mil camera, these felts that people made of our faces uh, like whoever would do the cheapest like print for our logo like yeah and it's like it's not even like mounted to anything it just has like a tape ball behind it so like, tape that's ball, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I, I I think it's one of those things where like I don't know again like that authenticity feel like you yeah. know if, if if we just had the money to buy proper like acoustic foaming and had someone like or even I just like built the set like would I have learned anything yeah. Well, and also, but I mean, kind of in line with, with what you were saying, Justin, is like, if we were to wait for like someone to give us like the cash to do it, right? Yeah, like, or a budget. It would, it would never happen. No, you we never get start, anything done. You got to start making stuff to show people like, hey, I can do stuff. So then someone will give you money to do something better. Exactly. I think a big thing that me and Thomas had when we went to film school is like we were YouTube babies. You know, like I think a lot of people were coming in with a philosophy of like never been on a set, never tried to make a movie before. Yeah. But like, what can I learn? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think like we kind of had that BFX DIY mindset going into it. And I think because of that, like don't want to again, don't want to shit on anyone else. But like, I think we did have like the best looking film because like, okay, what can we build with scraps? You know, like what can we make look good with our like three thousand dollar budget, which like when you're when you're a kid, that sounds like a lot of money. I think that was one of the most disheartening things I learned going into both independent film and film industries like, well, someone's going to give me three thousand dollars for a movie. Okay, (laughs) well, you have to think of catering and insurance and like getting permits and like actually Mm. getting gear. And by that point, you're like, oh, my God, this is nothing. Yeah. And also like paying for crew properly, paying for crew. Cause that's <laughs> and I, uh, another Damn. big thing I, I noticed like, oh, shit, I did learn from you guys and a little bit from Freddie W, too, is like, if you're not going to pay people, you got to feed them well. And that's yeah. a lesson that a lot of independent filmmakers don't do. And you'll come on a set and it will be like you're doing someone a favor and it's like cold pasta salad yeah. and like a bag of chips. And they don't like, even have Welch's. Don't even have Welch's. And you're like, <laughs> I, I don't want not even real fruit gummies. You're just like, I don't want to be here Whoa. right now. This small amount of food is not going to energize me for because it's independent film an 18 hour day. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right. But if you can I get, like, like to some, pay people nothing and then just have a shitload of caviar and just be like, ex- explain yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's beluga caviar. So I really had to spend a good 20 G's to get it. Yeah. I, I could have yeah, paid yeah, you guys. You guys a good That's how I want to, you know, repay you for doing this for free. Like it really, you know. Yeah. yeah. What would you prefer, being able to pay rent or having a great story about the time you had beluga yeah. caviar? <laughs> a couple bites of. Yeah. Oh, penis. everyone only gets one spoonful. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's yeah. heavily monitored. You know, no, no, yeah, no. I could, I could only afford a small platter. Yeah, you don't want a Christian Slater <laughs> on set eating it all. No. Like Oof. A, it's a really the, weird um, reference I just used there to curb. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> The first, the first job after we sort of left Indie Mogul, the first gig we got was this music video for this artist. She's kind of gotten big now, uh, K Flay, and um, and we got paid. I think it was 
$13,000, which at the time we were like, like you guys said, we we're like, holy shit, we could yeah. do anything. You're yeah. like, we're millionaires. Yeah, so we can see. And this is, keep in mind, this is us, uh, what, nine years ago? Like, this isn't that long in terms of, you <laughs> yeah. know, whatever. No, no, it wasn't, no. And uh, and I just, and so we conceived this insane thing that had, like, a, a, pup, a custom puppet, yeah. other puppets. We did, like, bullet time, like, DIY bullet time, I think, before anyone else. And, um, and... And we had kids, multiple locations. It was, I think we shot for like four days. It was three, three it, days at least. It was, primary it was insane. And we, we ended up, I mean, I think we ended up spending like $1,000 of our own money. The yeah. video I thought turned, turned out pretty awesome, but <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a real quick lesson. And, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, only going over like $1,000 on that seems like that's, that's a, pretty with good. With that budget, it makes sense. It was that still a marvel. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, that's yeah, so, yeah. like, I don't think anyone else could have done that. Like, I, I think, yeah, but, I do but, have a and, question and about, not, it, sorry yeah, to cut you off. Us. I have a question about the, the budget wheel in the backyard effects, uh, videos. Sure. It was totally was real. It, Nothing was real. Always real. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was <laughs> no. just curious. No, it wasn't real. Well, I'm actually, I don't know. Oh, you're actually asking. I'm actually asking. Did no, you? they had the predetermined budget and they'd spin until it got on. I don't know. As a kid, you, I thought yes. it was real because I was like a child <laughs> and then I watched it recently. And I went, wait. <laughs> maybe I don't believe this. There's two funny stories about that. One, yes, it was fake. Basically, I would make it as cheap as I could. Yeah. And then and then, you know, we would we would fake it. But the funny thing is that like almost every episode, I would the the wheel wasn't rigged at all. It was just it just freely spun. And so I would just meticulously spin it. I would just film it and spin it over and over again until it landed on the thing. And sometimes just you know, the randomness of the universe, it would take a long time. Yeah. And then I, I remember, I'm pretty sure it was you, Justin, at yeah, one was point me. was just like, why don't you just film it hitting every number and then just like reuse that footage? And I was like, oh yeah. At the <laughs> time, I like, cause I never had any like set. I never like marked where the camera was or anything. Yeah. It was all, every episode was sort of just thrown together, especially all that hosted stuff was always done very last. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if, if there's any episodes where I just look so tired and it's like dark outside the windows because it was like 2 a.m. before the episode's gonna come out the next day. Yeah. And uh, it was always the last thing. And, um, and so, you know, the, if I used it, stock footage of the wheel, it wouldn't match. That was my justification. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, there was so much footage and my personal time spent spinning that wheel over and over again. That's what why the you trip destroyed to Jersey, it though? in the like, did you When you put the trip to Jersey no. on there, did you know that that was going to happen? No. That was just a beautiful thing. It was always there as just a joke. I think it was there from the the very pilot. It was, yeah. trip to Jersey. And, uh, and it was just this thing that I just... You know, and it never landed on it, and and then so when we were, or I, when I was writing the 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 finale season one finale, I was like, we gotta land on it. And I think there's that joke where it's like, what is it? What does it mean? Yeah, no, you yeah, guys yeah. are like, so confused and scared. And you're like, there's a noise. Yeah. Well, because you were and, uh, you were in San Francisco so you, at the beginning, right? When you first started making the show. Yes, it was this really crappy apartment right on the Oakland Berkeley border. But why we were how we were able to go back and shoot in the same backyard is because my friend Chris, who's in a lot of the early episodes, the guy in the jetpack, mm -hmm. um, uh, and he like when totally unpaid, he was basically like my human tripod slash like <laughs> only other person I had to help in those early days. Yeah. Cause Justin was in New York living the high life. And uh, <laughs> before I moved to New York and uh, he still to this day lives in that apartment. 
Oh, nice. And yeah. uh, he actually, him and some friends actually bought the building. <laughs> okay. And so now they own it. But when, you know, however many years from when it was, what what year do we do that 2007. finale? Had, 2008, I think it was the finale. Yeah, 2008. Oh, really? Must have been later okay. than I that. It was, I you like guys say 2008 in it. Like, we, we got it, so. Huh. Okay. And then, but he, we had moved in there in like 2005 or something. So anyways, he still lived there. We still had access to the backyard just by chance. Mm. Yeah. So we, we flew there. And at the time, um, I forget. Oh, no, that. Okay. So I'm mixing up the season one finale and the series finale. Mm-hmm. The right. series finale is where we go back in time and go back to the backyard. Yeah. Which is and, and, trip to and, Jersey. And, no, no, no. Those are trip to Jersey was the season one, one finale. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, And then right. Oh, so and for then, the series finale, yes. Which was like 2011 or something. He was still yeah. there, and we were able to go back when evil Eric with an eye patch kills past Eric. Um, <laughs> wow, it was two, that, that was, was 2008? They're not lying. For the season one, yeah, yeah, yeah. season one finale. Probably. Yeah, because season one lasted like uh like a year and a half yeah we do our was like it was like one year four months five days and yeah eight that's hours right. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the robot says the exact amount of time so, you've been working and, on it and the whole reason we did that was just because i had been making episodes every week for a year and a half and yeah i was so exhausted and we realized like oh right the internet like tv shows get breaks the internet doesn't do that so we just <laughs> we just sort of created like the idea of seasons for us yeah so that I could take a break. And like, I went to Mexico, like that wasn't a joke. I did go to Mexico <laughs> for real. Nice. And, uh, and just cause I was so burnt out. That's exactly, um, that's exactly us right now. Yeah. That's, that's, this is, we have a lot of more commercial work lined up now. So we do have to take a break cause it's so hard to find guests. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hit us back guests. Please. But, um, <laughs> I, now this is a, I think a question I'll, well, I'll it, ask for Thomas. Real quick before we get too far from that, the reason why I brought up that you were in San Francisco, I find it like you. So you just put trip to Jersey, just like as a random place. It seems yeah, just like you know, Jersey's funny. It's like the butt yeah. of so many jokes. It so is, I just yeah. put it, it's just it's like pretty, I guess I thought like it was a trip, and like where's a place that no one wants to go? You Jersey. Know, I think that, was, <laughs> that that was the idea. I guess no, it's no, actually no, even no. kind of funnier because you're so much further away. So you're traveling so far to go to somewhere no one wants to go. Exactly. I, and then, <laughs> but when we actually shot the finale, we were in New York and yeah. we actually went, we actually literally went to Jersey and to had film a great a those... Kevin Smith impersonator. Yeah, that was really, yes. yeah. if you, if someone had told me that that was just him and you could only get wild lines or ADR of him, I would totally believe it. Really? Oh man, we'll have to tell I, Chad. Somebody yeah. uh, did a great that job. Was our, our, our friend from, uh, also film fights, immortal dog. Was that? Yeah, that's, I, I just, uh, another thing, just cause you guys were similar time, similar space yeah. and you guys have that robot build. Did you guys ever do work with Waverly Flams? Yeah, that's oh, a YouTube yeah. and Waverly I love Films. Those guys. And actually, I would they say directed, they guest directed and starred in a test film. Yeah, they did a couple. Oh, so there was, there was the uh, Indiana Jones Skull test film. Crystal Skull, yeah. That was one. Yeah. And then they did another one where they kind of, they made a lot of, was that the one where they're joking about advertising and how much it sucks? Like that might've been it. And they also were uh, guests in... We do a film fights TV uh, thing for for Andy Muggle as well, and I believe they were like kind of guest judges for that. But those guys, um, yeah, Chris Ford and uh, John Watts, like uh, yes. just so talented. The stuff they were putting out, and and especially early internet stuff, like they so well so put together. It, yeah, it, so and that we looked up really to we looked up, up to them so much. They were crazy. I, I remember watching them as a kid and just being like going back and watching them. They're still incredible. Like. 
Oh, I mean, yeah. that's so, why so John talented. is directing Spider-Man, you Spider-Man, know? Yeah. Oh, Chris my is God. When, I, when that movie Bevers came out. Bevers is in all their videos. And then, like, to see, like, Bevers when uh, Broad City came out was like, what? Yeah. Like, it was just like, there's so oh. many little things that. And they also have uh, Kunal, what's his last name? Uh, Kumail Nanjiani. That's it. That's it. Yeah. He's in some of their videos. And also another yeah. weird connection thing that I just discovered. So did you guys watch the new Bo Burnham special? Inside? Inside? No, I haven't seen. I just saw it. We so good. It it's video. really good. Yeah, we're both big Bo Burnham. And he did all everything, like the lighting, the cinematography, yeah. all on his own on like like robotic rigs. It, beautiful. It's very, very sweet. Good. That dude is. He's like a white whale for us to get him on the show, but uh, <laughs> it's the white whales are you guys, Bo Burnham and Philip DeFranco. So we've got one. Yeah, we're doing yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Okay, That's our three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, but I was watching just like for fun and posterity stake. I was watching his old stuff on YouTube like way back. And he has a music video for one of his songs called Words, Words, Words that was directed by one of the Waverly Films guys. Duncan, uh, something I can't remember. His oh yeah, name. Duncan. He was like the first one who he who was their D. He was their DP, and yeah, just just super amazing. Yeah, and he also he directed. I think he directed um, <laughs> Puppet Rapist, which then made me think of you, sure. Eric, because you made puppets, and I was wondering if there was a connection there. But I checked the credits, and I didn't see anything. That was a one on one thing. Yeah, that was because when when so I discovered film fights in one on one at the same time. Yeah you know, before I met Justin and I remember seeing channel one one and being like, Oh, I'm definitely not good enough for that. And like film fights, I kind of saw film fights as like the minor leagues yeah. for channel one one But then you, the uh, Dave, a guy named Dave Seeger who did a bunch of stuff for Andy Mogul and then was a film fighter. And then pretty much, I don't know if he still does, but ran channel one one mm. after kind of Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon were too busy doing other things. It's just, it's so the good word for incestuous. Yeah. It's a small well, world. That, that's an, it's a small so world. You, because you guys like know some people from 101, you have film fights. Do you guys know the Blame Society guys? Chad Vader? Oh, no, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm really so glad Vader, you, Okay. Because we had them you, on as a guest. Very, very cool. Yeah. Also um, super cool. OG. You and know them way better because you guys are from the same town or something. I was right, going Justin? to. Okay. This was, I have this on my little notes. This is, this is some real deep internet here. But so, um, they're from I'm from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and they went to school in uh, Chippewa Falls, which is right next door. And they uh, Yonda uh, had a show called Splu Urtaf, which is a public access show. Yeah. And um, I watched that when I was in middle school. And that was my major inspiration for me doing film stuff. Uh, The fact that there was other people, people in a town near me doing this super weird, creative public access show. Um, and they're really, you know, and then when they started blowing up with the Chad Vader stuff and all the other things, I was just like, oh, my God, it's the guys from from public access. And years later, this is probably 2004, 2005. Uh, I was home for, you know, for the summer or something for, for a little while. It was around my birthday and they were doing a reunion show at public access. And I went over and I met them. You know, I was just like so yeah. starstruck. And I actually just saw Yonda. Uh, two months ago, we hung out in Madison for a little while, so we still stay in touch. But um, that was just this like, so you know, insane. S- s- they were like my indie mogul because um, uh, I never would to have someone who's like relatable in that kind of way versus like they're in Hollywood, they're in L.A. or yeah. whatever was such a big step yeah. for me. Because um, I know they did a barely political video too, a music video. So and I was we like, did some stuff with them later. Yeah, I like, think you guys did as well. We, you know, because we did a like a pringles star wars commercial we did a couple 
Star Wars things where, um, you know, because he became like well, the go-to Vader voice. Yeah, he right? is yeah. like if if they can't get Jimmy Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Jones. And so, <laughs> and I don't think there would the things that we were doing were so low budget. I think cause at this at that point he was already doing Vader for all the video games and everything. I think if we didn't have that personal connection, I don't know if he would have like done it. So we had yeah. access to like one of the best Vader voices. Yeah, yeah, if, if you're going to do it, take it. I have one. This is a fan theory. Only I think I have. Okay. And I don't know if he has ever gotten this. I don't know if this is just something I thought of when I was a child. But Steve Nelson, he's not the kid who's friends with Eyeball from Stand By Me, right? <laughs> no, Steve looks, Nelson was uh, not famous. He was not famous before. <laughs> that's because he looks and sounds exactly like the guy who is Eyeball's like, right-hand man in Stand By Me. I feel like the ages would have been way. Yeah. I know it doesn't make any was, logical sense. I think he was even born when. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sense. But in my mind, as a young kid, I was just like, they sound and oh, look sure. so similar. You know, I'll have to go back and watch that. And yeah, I, good I old, think I even googled Steve. it, and I couldn't find it. But I'm like, no, there's some sort of conspiracy here, like Marilyn Manson and and the kid from that show, Wonder Years. I think it was. Oh, right. I, I don't know. I, I, this is a, a thing that only I think it's yeah. not like there were like on the forums, other indie mogul fans were like, it's the guy from standby. It's just yeah, me. I know. It was just you. He's a time traveler. Yeah, he, he could be. Um, Cause I, I saw indie mogul first and then saw stand by me and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's, all, it's all coming together. <laughs> no, S Steve, Steve was part of a, another film fights group. Uh, what was it? On Rye? On Rye Productions. Was, yeah, they're amazing. And I remember so amazing. I remember watching their videos and they were like babies, like just in high school, maybe like sophomores in high school. And like I was out of college and just and I was like mad that their videos were so good uh, and they're just so funny. And so it was great to get to work with um, him and Jake. Jake came on later. Um, yeah. So such funny guys. And Jake Strunk. So he, he was really, you know, one of the kind of masterminds behind Bob Bobby Miller's show uh, with uh, real, real good show. Um, yeah. And a lot of that stuff. And I know Jake was camera for you, Eric, and I think edited a lot of BFX episodes, right? He edited a lot of later stuff. He was in a bunch. Um, he, yeah, he was camera. He was, he became that guy that was like there at 2 a.m. Like Chris, yeah. Film test films. Yeah, Steve yeah, yeah. is a, was a full-time editor for Google now. He edits like ads for Google and stuff, which is really oh, awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, I keep in touch with everyone, Eric. That's my thing. I know. This <laughs> is good. I like it. I like so, it. So, so wild just all the people that are connected and i think i'm gonna go back to angsty teenage josh for a second because Ooh. you're gonna become him i'm gonna be well i'm gonna tell a little bit about him because i remember um when eric you no longer hosted bfx and zach finfrock came and drama no shade to zach there were a lot of like bfx he, he did that i liked i watched nuka break i love nuka break no sure. shade but he's not eric beck and I remember at that Poor time bastard. being so pissed that you were leaving. And they're like, who's this chump who yeah. thinks he can be back? This, this crowbar He's guy. Not crowbar guy. This crowbar guy. Oh, man, the crowbar. Um, it's funny you say that. Yeah. I mean, I at the time, I, did, I didn't really think about it. But yeah, that was we definitely put him in a tough position. Uh, yeah. And also, I think, you know, I was suffering from such extreme burnout at that point before oh, you know course. now now youtubers i mean it's like a, it's a common term oh youtuber burnout people creators. take breaks yeah. if they need yeah it, it's 
But at the time, that no one even used that term. You know, it was just too new because we were so early into the scene. I like to, when I'm like working with people in my my YouTube internet past comes up, you know, my joke is like, oh, I was a YouTube star before you could make money in it. Yeah. Uh, and like, and so, yeah, now I see what I was experiencing from. So if I could go back in time, I, w- I would have told past Eric to like take more breaks and and stick with it a little longer. But yeah, we just... Well, I think I, that's something so long. like the perception of people making internet contact back on the day, like you will hear like the Homestar Runner guys talk about this too, where it's like, they just didn't think of it being a real job or it's like, what do you mean? Like you, you have burnout, you're making videos on the internet. You must be having where a it's blast. It's like so much more work than the, the average day job. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. people oh, yeah. never thought, probably more work than the, than like being on a union set because like, here's a little insider for everyone watching who doesn't know. Um, you get, you know, you, you do a 12 hour day. Anything after that is paid overtime, so they usually try to avoid doing more than a 12-hour day. It jumps right to Whether double time Whether it's just also. like a regular indie set, like a Hallmark, or even lower end of like something we would be doing. Like, especially as like, you know, on, on, on the commercial that we do or the shoots we do, I, IPM and Thomas directs, we're looking at it like a 19-hour day average. Maybe you and eight, I. Yeah, you and I. Okay, and not our crew. Our crew, we try to keep it 12, but usually like max out of 16. So you you're definitely more tired and getting more burnt out because like you're not like oh union restrictions we got to leave it's like no we got to get this video out tomorrow yeah whatever well, like we you were saying like you were recording stuff like at night because the, the night before it was going to come out because yeah. if you didn't just it wouldn't right well, eric eric and i were roommates and you know for a while and eric would was sharing or was renting like a spare room in our house and i feel like we would rarely even see each other because you would be gone in the office. You'd no. sleep in the office sometimes, Eric. I mean, you. I, I did sometimes, you know, yeah. And you think of movies and TV shows, it's like people work super hard for a couple months and then they get to take a break and they go on vacation. Then there's a, it, the cadence is so different. And, and back then it was like, oh, we're hiring this guy, Eric. He makes this show. His job is to make this show. And the show has to come out every week on Monday at you know noon, whatever it was. Um, and so that was just the thing. Be like, well, we can't. And, and Eric's thing, he'd always say this legendary. He was always oh, trying to get, yeah. he's like, I'm going to get ahead. I'm just going to get ahead. Just get a couple yeah. episodes ahead. Yeah, that that's was the biggest always problem we ahead. have right now. We're it's literally impossible. like, we're like, let's get all these guests and we'll be like a month ahead of like everything even going out in our Patreon. And yeah. always like two weeks later, we're like, we were just like at the office until like, Geez, it's it's not even that long. I, I hate to say that after you said you're sleeping there, but we, we were at the office quite late, like probably until like 10, just like, okay, well, we have to finish the episode before it goes out on Patreon. Like, I gotta, yeah. 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 Well, this well, is Eric and, uh, and Threadbanger, you guys would have the, the, the legendary Czar bar, Rob Czar's uh, secret alcohol stash in the office. <laughs> I never really touched that. Oh, you never I messed was, with the Czar bar? Okay. No, <laughs> I, was a, I, was a, I was an on or off type of guy, you know, like... Yeah, I would I, w- I would cut loose hard, but not 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 when I was there. Normally, I'll but say like, was... I'll, I'll get the video podcast done a week earlier and then it's like 4 a.m. the night before, like exporting it and like uploading it. Yeah, like, yeah. there you go. Yeah, it was like that. <laughs> but every day. Yeah. So you uh, that's then, definitely some burnout there. And I just remember, I think the, the well, I know that you guys know this, but also just the whole promotional side of it is 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 a whole nother job. Obviously, that's people's jobs like social media managers or whatever but but for me i remember the hardest part was those you know two three in the morning when when i was always waited save the hosty part to the end and i had to be like 
super chipper and like, hey guys, this super is blah, blah. on, yeah. And and just every time I had, and I was so tired and just beat down. Every time I had to like flip that switch and go from, you know, ten percent energy to one hundred and forty percent, I just felt like me sapping like a year of my life. Like it was just <laughs> like if I'm gonna live till eighty five, uh, eighty four. Yeah. Like every time I had that transition was just so unnatural. It, that's what I remember the most. Well, like as far as the and that pain doesn't point. even count all the chemicals you were using in your, you know. We did fun oh, fact yeah. though. The yeah. most of the most of the show was it was in this high rise like uh, office building on Park Avenue, <laughs> and we we we're on the ninth floor, right? Yeah, ninth floor. And my tiny little workshop that you see in the videos a lot was against a, a wall of windows, and we actually with a blowtorch heated up one of the squares of glass that had probably been there for like a hundred years <laughs> to remove it and then built like a makeshift paint booth in there. So I was like, I, I would try and wait until everyone left to spray paint in, but this was just like a regular office building Yeah, with, with editors like 20 feet away. <laughs> that was also a reason why I, like, I think I, I had to work a lot later is because a lot of times I would just have to wait till people left to like use those chemicals. But I did have a spray booth that shot chemicals out onto Park Avenue. Jeez. Which was which was pretty awesome. You I think probably were a bioterrorist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well, I, I think back to that workshop and it's just such a... Well, it's so who cool else could too. Say? Yeah. It, it's like just an iconic thing that is like, again, like so many other things burnt into the brain. Like even like the Eric is a professional, don't know what he does or he'll be maimed and like... What a joke that was. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, well, that disclaimer came up after uh, a one of the first episodes. Someone called them with a voicemail, being like, "I did your air cannon, and, like blew off my fingers," and it was this angry. <laughs> we think it was probably a joke, and then you, yeah. you could tell it was joke. We well, sent yeah, it to I, the lawyer at Nexty Networks, and he was like, mm, "Yeah, we should probably have a disclaimer before the show." Well, I think it's. <laughs> yeah. I would. I I was wa rewatching like a whole bunch of like your first episodes, and I was like, I want to find the point where you first see the disclaimer and you first see like the shopping list and the super time lapse in that voice. Cause it's I like, that's when I started watching. So like that was my memory. So I'd go back and watch the first episode again. It's like, where's the super time lapse? Where, yeah. <laughs> where's the disclaimer? It was, it was, yeah, the disclaimer, I feel like the super time lapse came pretty quick, but it does, but it wasn't, it wasn't, quick. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was pretty full. It was to give myself credit. It was pretty fully formed from the beginning. No, it, it was. It was just like that little thing. And I was like, it was like, oh, maybe this is like, I think it was like the 12th video, but it was only like a couple weeks after. Like you guys really pushed out quite a few videos, even yeah. compared like, cause like now, now it's like a lot of YouTubers I follow. It's like maybe once a month I'll get like, there'll be like an in-depth video or something like that. Yeah. But even in old YouTube, when there was like weekly videos, for the amount of work that you guys were putting in, the quality yes. level, you guys were doing a fuck ton. Alone. And that was literally, yeah. And that was literally every week. Like even now, I mean, I didn't know any better. So <laughs> I, and I was just so uh, amazed that someone was paying me to get to be creative. And, you know, I still would do it again a hundred times over. But like now working in like the professional space, thinking back to what we did and it was like, yeah. I didn't know how to create these effects, so I was teaching myself how to do it, conceiving it, actually building it, and then making a short film. Uh, and that a lot of times the short films were like the the bad ones were just because they were so rushed. You know, the, yeah. the order was like we probably spent 
most of the time conceiving and building the thing. And then we're like, oh shit, we have to make a dumb video using it. And then, and then, oh shit, now I got to do the like hosty bits. One of my and, favorite. Oh shit, now, uh, I, now I gotta edit it. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite test uh, movies that you did is for the the dummy that you make out of duct tape. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, that was such yeah. a top. Such Thomas a topical is building thing a dummy right now. Yeah. I've I've still we I really need to finish it, but I've been wanting to have a dummy since I first saw that video. Like when it came out, I've wanted to build a dummy, and I've just never done it. But we <laughs> but you just did. Yeah. We have it. I don't have the head yet because I want to get the reason why is because I want to get like a like a burlap fabric for the head just because I feel like I like that look. Okay, um, totally. Um, so what we did is we bought like a jumpsuit, like a like a coverall jumpsuit, and and we're filling that with like fabric and stuff rather than oh, the, nice. the duct tape thing. Just but it's still a great method. But I just want the. Uh, I think it's funny that he's Damn, wearing a, wearing a, a coverall, but then you put clothes over the coverall. I think that's funny. Just because oh, it yeah, looks totally. really bad. Anyway, yeah, you got to get the tape to get the to get the form that because it keeps its shape. It looks the, great. It looks really really good. That that we use that dummy a lot, but uh, actually, totally f- kind of related note is uh, a friend just sent me an article. There's this really famous uh, group of loft buildings in Brooklyn. They're called the McKibben Lofts. They're just sort of like infamous hipster lofts. And uh, when I first moved to New York, I, I lived in one, and that's where some of the early New York episodes we shot all the hosty stuff on that roof. On the roof, it's the, the one that yeah. has graffiti. all the crazy graffiti. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, it was on on Justin's roof, where I was roommates briefly. But we threw that. the The article is all about how they had these crazy parties, and people would like throw TVs off the roof, and like, and so I got to I got to read the article and be like. We threw a person off that roof, and I remember, like, <laughs> yeah. it was the middle of the day, too, and just some some nice lady was, like, walking by. Just, we, we, didn't, we didn't come anywhere close to hitting her, but, like, just seeing a human form flutter. Yeah. You ruined uh, her day. Yeah. Yeah. So or it was, made it. I it don't was, know. Yeah, exactly. There were so no PAs the, blocking off the street warning people. No, yeah. there was no lockups on that set. But, and, and we're getting to that time, but I, but I do want to say, like, I think definitely for you guys, I would assume, but for us too, is like having this and really the best way to call it is that indie mogul mindset of coming into a film set of like having this, you know, doing everything pretty much working with your budget and also being in a position where like you're always working late and hustling to get everything done when you need to. That really makes you an asset on a set. Because oh, I yeah. think in 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 the union world, not I'm shitting on a lot of people in this episode, but not we to shit always on, do. We always do. That's fair. <laughs> uh, not to shit on the union world, but I think the mindset of that is like if you're a grip, you're a grip. You're not doing anything else. If you're a set dresser, you're a set dresser. You're not doing anything else. And I think I I've always hated that philosophy. And I get why it's done when when you have all these people and you want everything yeah. to be efficient. I I get that, but I think and and like how we like to run our sets is we're all we're all a community and we're all filmmakers even if i'm the pm on the day i can set up a light i can i can move a c-stand that i don't think anyone should feel above a job and i think because of that one thing i think we really have taken away from like we've almost never gone over time yeah we're pretty good about Mm. not going over time pretty pretty good about keeping time like uh, even even in film school keeping budget and keeping time is keeping budget and keeping time or something we haven't like i think almost 80 percent of the films in our final year were like 
of the three thousand dollar budget, most people were over five grand, and every day went over the twelve. Yeah, most people missed getting a lot of their shots. But like, just we were under budget and under time. We were we, for our three thousand dollar budget. We only spent twenty two, mm. and every day we wow. were under time. Yeah, on and the I la- think on the last day we were like quite under time to the point where yeah. I was like, does anyone have any shots? Like any ideas? Or something <laughs> any we should ideas? Shoot? Yeah. And straight up, the I think it was the first AC suggested a shot that ended up being the last shot of the movie. So wow, that's and awesome. And yeah. I think it was because we had this like shooting on mini DV or like a Canon T two I doing everything for free, having to like download a copy of After Effects trial and reinstall your OS. Like all this, you got nothing style of filmmaking, just using your dad's old camera and watching Indie Mogul definitely put us in that position. So like, I mean, we got, we got to thank you guys. Like we, I don't think we'd be in the position we are today if it weren't for you. Like, I mean, it's not like the, I don't know how much Justin, you listen to our episodes, but we do say countless times we we use your guys's name and say we're goddamn indie moguls because no, it's, it's a That's good name awesome. and it i i think like even aside from even the work that we're getting to do now working with smaller budgets and having the ability to i i think give a better product than i think a lot of people that would have a larger budget no no, no need to praise ourselves yeah, um, you're really like wanking off right now yeah no absolutely <laughs> it's pretty unattractive <laughs> But, but but no, I think like even my first my first job in film, like I think I was saying this to you guys in, in the pre-interview was like I, I there's a visual effects studio. My my dad was he's an actor and he was on a f- set and he said, hey, can my son check out your studio? Because I was doing a lot of visual effects from stuff that like I learned from you guys or the quarter guys. And they said, oh, like, where do you learn? And I said, oh, just YouTube. And they're like. I, I can't give you a job. You're 16. You haven't gone to school. <laughs> but I can say that we might get a job. We might be able to give you a job if you want to come intern. And it was just starting like taking HDRI balls and setting them up and organizing files. And eventually, like through learning more stuff and through them, like I got I got a job in After Effects. And like I've been making movies since I was five. But like I stopped in high school because I was like, oh, I got to try to smooch girls and smoke some <laughs> dank <laughs> weed and smoke some weed. And then. <laughs> Finding Indie Mogul like brought that love back for me. So like I don't know if I would have oh, kept wow. at that if it weren't for you guys. So like like genuinely like not just blowing smoke up asses here. Like I don't know if I'd be a filmmaker today if it weren't for you guys. So wow. I, I yeah, really but how appreciate many you. how many girls did you kiss? None. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. That's also our fault. Yeah. <laughs> None until college. Then you were. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something where I, you know, we feel. I know Eric obviously has this experience um, when people come up to him and, and, you know, give him well wishes and whatnot. Um, and I feel like it's, uh, it's a contribution um, that I think that at the time we had a lot of fun doing, and for us it was a great experience to work together and those kinds of things. But um, it is something where like now. I can almost like if a kid's of a certain age and they're into film stuff like and and it was been it's been changing every year before it was like in their early 20s. You know, those kids like the odds are so high that they watched Indie Mogul and now it's probably, you know, kids in their 30s and, you know, late 30s or no late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, it's like Um, mid almost 20 because I'm like mid 20s to 30s. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I you can talk to a lot of people like, yeah, my dad drove me to Home Depot so I get PVC and make a fig rig like yeah. that. You know what's kind yeah, of funny that, though? That is something I did. It's like a like a, just a strange thing since you're older than me, but you came on to Indie Mogul like after they moved to New York, right? Yeah. 
Whereas I was watching you guys. Okay, you're better than me. Yeah, yeah, but then I I fell off you guys. I don't know why. I, I guess I, I hated your content. <laughs> yeah, shut up. Host here. Um, but it's I was there the I, whole time because I'm better than Thomas. Yeah. So I I always remember I watched your guys' videos all the time. I was like, wow, I really want to make stuff like this. I did make the fake blood. I think we did a zombie makeup and like a and like a uh, like wound makeup based off of your oh, guys' right. videos. For early, sure, those were early. Yeah, but like, well, I, I was watching back in the in the backyard, like proper, and then I don't know what nice. happened. But it's just, I think it's a weird thing that you I'm young. You tried to smooch girls and succeeded. No, well, not at all. Different <laughs> eras. You watch different but eras. Even, yeah. But even though that I'm younger, I find it's just weird to me. I'm not trying to make any statement by it. It's just like it's a strange <laughs> thing. Jeez. It is interesting, and I think it's also interesting because you know. There were other shows than Backyard Effects on Indie Mogul. You know, it started with Backyard Effects, and that was always kind of like the, the staple. But we we added other shows, and it's funny that, like, some people really like those shows, and then a lot of people, like, didn't even know that there was other shows. Yeah. And I always just find it so weird, people's unique entry point um, and the, the different eras. I'm sure that there are... And there are people that, like, didn't... When, when Griffin took it over like and made all the his amazing videos like mm -hmm. so i it i like that there's the different eras yeah and then, uh speaking of the different oh, eras we're really running kind of long but i do have a question about um again sort of what could be potentially misinformation online about about indie mogul but so it was obviously mm -hmm. uh next new networks as a whole was bought by youtube including indie mogul and then you guys mm -hmm sold your portion of it and then did you later buy it back i can't remember exactly how it happened but it so basically yeah you know me and justin were employees at next networks yeah and then and um you know i created the pilot for backyard effects sort of on my own and then and then justin and some of the other people kind of like they we created indie mogul as like the network around it yeah and that and that did its thing and then yeah so we never owned it Right. You know, the next networks owned it. Yeah. And then when YouTube bought it, uh, me and Justin were briefly YouTube employees and we continued making it. And then we just really, I, I think also just being burnt out and kind of wanting to do our own thing. And totally. And we just really didn't jive well with the whole like Google thing. Uh, and so we, that's when we left and like started mm -hmm. our own little production company, moved to LA. Well, I think to clarify but, um, that, I think our jobs were sort of like to be kind of creative consultants and that wasn't totally different than what we were doing before, but, um, the creation, there were a lot more limits when you work for a huge company, like actually yeah, you're course, actually YouTube course, employee. Yeah. And I'm like someone who's always starting side projects and they're sort of like anything you do, we own, like there, there's a lot yeah. of, um, a lot of, Not uh, a red of tape that comes with that. So it was that, and then just that the corporate culture. Like it, we say that our, the jobs we had at Google, it was someone's dream job, but it wasn't our dream job. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it was about six months, and and we were just kind of like, hey, we feel like we were just around turning thirty. Like we have a lot more creative uh, things we can do on our own, um, and that was a real impetus for us to leave and start our own production company in LA and just create stuff on our own. Um, so mm -hmm. it was like at that point. Um, Indie Mogul, Barely Political, Threadbanger, all part of this sort of test lab where they would give the channels features that no one else had. Like we would test them. We would give give suggestions as well for like things they could add or how it was. It's a, it was like YouTube was building race cars, but they had no race car drivers. And so they're like, yeah. well, yeah. I think this is a car. Does the steering wheel work like this? Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. what Next New was. Um, 
And uh, and yeah, so we never really owned it. And then we got this incredible um, opportunity a couple years later when they just sort of they had the rights to these channels still. They weren't really using Indie Mogul and a couple other ones um, as much and even some of that were more popular. And uh, we had a lot of former coworkers who still work there who said like, hey, you know, we're doing this program is totally they did. it. We didn't have to pay for anything like they just gave the okay. ownership rights back to us. Um, That's awesome. That's incredible. And uh, it just was such an awesome, really just a really um, generous thing that they did. Uh, and then I think it was sort of us jumping back into the saddle. I guess it was like around 2016. Um, yeah. And, and you know, Eric, you can speak to this a little more. Um, but obviously, I think the burnout residual was still very much, you know, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So we got it back. And then I think just we were like, hey, let's let's bring this thing back. And so I think the two big things were, or the couple big things were one, you know, YouTube had stopped putting anything on it for a couple years. It was like prior. two or three so, years. Yeah. Yeah. So it had been totally dormant. Um, so from, you know, an AdSense perspective, it was also pretty dead. And you then pretty much uh, had to bring it back to life. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, but we were excited to, but at, at that point, you know, we had our, our little production company. And so we, you know, we were doing other jobs as you guys know, yeah. uh, to, to pay the bills. And so, you know, I think we, I, I worked on it fullish time for, I don't know, maybe six months or something, but it, it just really quickly became clear that, um, you know, this was going to take a long time to make it viably just from a, from a business perspective. And then um, also just, I think, at least for me personally, it just felt like I had grown kind of creatively beyond the box that Indie Mogul could build, uh, could fit, you know, because like I, I still love building things, but they were, had gotten so much more complicated, the type of projects that yeah, sort of, yeah. uh, that interested me. Um, and I, I just, I didn't want to go back to the cardboard and duct tape. Yeah. And so, so what I tried to do was just basically fit a project that should take a, three weeks into like a week. And, uh, and it just, it just didn't matter. You know, it's a square hole in a round square right. peg in a round hole. And, and, uh, yeah. And then we got burnt out. I got burnt out again. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, if I can't offer something, I don't know if you've seen these channels, but there's a, a really, really good channel called Stuff Made Here. This guy's like an engineering, I think straight up just like a genius. He makes stuff yeah. like, I don't know if you've heard of him, but it's like, he made one where it's a basketball hoop where you can never miss. So it's like on, it has oh, like yeah. uses a connect to like scan the environment and yes. then like it's on like a dolly and everything. But yes. um, I guess it just, it because seeing you uh, in the Indie Mogul video where you show off the, the motorized uh, camera rig that you built right. and, and like 3D printed parts for and use like, a drawer to like mount yeah. it as well. Like yeah, drawer it still yeah. has yeah. that indie mogul aspect to it. Yeah. Of like but also it reminds me, and also even watching the very first video with the, um, the jetpack and how you're like, Oh, we tried to like run it through this PVC piping, but it didn't work because it was too complicated. Yeah. It really has the exact same energy as, uh, the channels now like stuff made here or Michael Reeves or, uh, Oh yeah. There's others. Uh, so I was going to even say in some ways you're kind of a predecessor for that as well. But uh, I th my yeah, my point more is that there is maybe a market for more complex builds. Also, with like the do. Friends reunion and like the uh, Fresh Prince reunion, it's the perfect time. You guys got to do an indie mogul reunion. It's the perfect time. Go back to the backyard, yeah, and then go to the roof. <laughs> yeah. We could. I mean, we'll we could interview go back to the you. Don't, it's fine. We'll do it. 
Oh yeah, well, well, well we could go back to the backyard. We could definitely could go back to the backyard. I know the roof would be tougher. Well, okay, we'll go but, back to the backyard. We obviously need our expenses paid to get out there. Of course. Yeah, a per diem sure, each day sure. for food. But yeah. we'll we'll do it. We'll host it for free. Yeah, we'll host it for free. <laughs> but Aside I, from I, our day rate, we'll host for free. Like, there's yeah. nothing above our day rate is needed. All I can yeah, of offer course. is uh, a gallon of caviar I spent a lot of money on a few years ago. Um, All right. Yeah, it's still okay. good. It's, it's still, still good, good, I'm sure. Right? At least, like, a three-star hotel as well, and then... Yeah, we'll we'll do it. <laughs> Uh, well, there'll be a, there'll be a I, shower. I that's that. about as much as that. That's okay. as much as we can and promise. We are getting but no to that bed. time where it it really seems like the the cameras are dying, and also oh, Christ, we're definitely over. But what what I do want to end this on saying is I don't know if anyone can tell by the podcast I make or my job or my face or my voice, but I wasn't cool in high school. Um, and Would've I remember in our film class, <laughs> we because uh, we had a film studies class where like mostly we just watched films and well, studied them. We they didn't teach us how to make them, but uh, you know I was watching you know uh, Corridor and Freddie W and Indie Mogul, and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm just gonna make films in my class so I don't have to write an essay. And there was the the quote unquote cool kid, and he was like, it was just he just shot a conversation, and he's like, and our teacher's like, so what did you learn? It's like, well, I learned that you didn't have to just put a camera on one person and then switch back between lines. You can do it one, then you can like use the software to cut between like this chump. Don't even know shot reverse shot <laughs> played ours. We had like muzzle flashes. We had like shitty, like 3ds max, like uh, helicopters coming in. And we had like wow. the classic, like desaturate crush the blacks uh, letter boxing top and bottom oh, to yeah. make it look cinematic. And we had like that, the, Indie mogul blown in half effect when someone blows up and we're like, <laughs> I, sh I showed this kid no longer is he going to post on my YouTube videos, anti-Semitic things. Yeah. But he wow. did. Um, but oh. I, I made work. him look like a chump in that class. So I got to thank you guys for that. We lost my camera. We lost Thomas's camera. <laughs> Mine's probably going to die soon. So I, I want to say, you know, thank you as an audience for sticking around with us for a season. Thank you so much, Eric and Justin. Like, honestly, like I'll to, to be just completely honest, like this, this means so much to me that you guys came Aww. on. This is a childhood dream. You guys are some of my biggest inspirations as filmmakers. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. We're doing a burger tour one day. Hopefully we can drive by and grab a cheeky cheeseburger yeah. and film it for content. Everything's got to be for content. Everything's got to be for content. I live, in I, yeah. I live in Minneapolis now and there's something called the Juicy Lucy, which is a burger filled with cheese. So you're All open. Right. If you're oh, Minneapolis, I watched the burger just... show. I know the Juicy okay. Lucy. I'm excited. We'll go to <laughs> Minneapolis now. I, I, thank uh, you guys so much. Thank you, Thomas, for being on this journey with me. Thank you, Josh. Uh, we'll see you guys next season, which could be next week, two months from now, a year. We don't know yet. Yeah, it's whenever it happens. Whenever when, it we, when we come back, we'll be better than ever. In our new studio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys, so much. Thanks, you guys. You can find sure, us on our, all our socials. We have a bad way of saying them. In the new season, we'll know how to say them properly. But we are When We Are There show on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We're When We Are There show. We are also Friend Styles on our Patreon and our Anchor FM. Yeah, that was pretty good. That wasn't too We're bad. We're getting better. It's We're, just so many things now. Like you We can't tried just to get the like same name. IndieMogul.com. Like, it was so easy for you guys. <laughs> you, us kids these days have it so hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.